up everybody welcome back you are listening to suds buds presents pints and pixar the show where we chat about the films of our childhood over an adult beverage as always i'm your host eric anderson and with me once again in studio for this fine episode the man himself mr nate updown What's going on, man? Oh, just just ready for it. Decided to drink some beer here. Ate a bunch of vegetables and fruits today. Feeling, you know, fine. Feeling, that's good. Feeling on that's top good. of my game. You gonna go for a run later? Uh, probably not. That's ridiculous. Why would I do something you like that? You get your chin-ups in this morning? <laughs> Always. Did you blend your veggies or did you eat them uh, just straight up raw? Uh, oh, just eat them raw. Oh, know? yeah. yeah. Fiber, good for your teeth, that's too. What that, that's what everybody says yeah. about fiber and teeth. Extract all those vitamins into your face. Actually, isn't it, isn't it that your body has a harder time getting the vitamins if you don't cook it? I feel like I heard that. Uh, possibly, but also I feel like raw, like, vegetable is just a better source of fiber than, like, cooked or blended or juiced. Like, the peel and stuff like that is good for you. Sure. Promotes healthy poops, from what Mm -hmm. I understand. And who doesn't love a healthy poop? Yeah. Who knows healthy poops better than me? Speaking of poop, let's talk cars, too. Yeah. No, <laughs> no, nice, no, no. Nice segue. Anything. Not, I, you you teed off. it up for me, but, like, yeah, you know, it's fine. Uh, there's something I was going to say. I, I didn't want to actually jump into it this quickly, but, like, you teed it up. Yeah, yeah. We'll take that segue back. Um, okay. Pretend we weren't talking about poops. Uh, yep. uh, Nate, how was, how's it going? Oh, pretty good. Welcome uh, to the show. Hey, thanks, thanks. Happy to be here, you know. Excited to be in sunny California. Yeah, I mean, you look great, man. Hey, thank, Sun, well, sun's been good to you. Your skin looks very healthy. It's all that uh, Swiss chard. Yeah, have you been eating vegetables? Fucking Swiss chard. It's a garbage plant. Um, yeah, you know, yeah, it's vegetables. Picked up a CSA box this morning. Uh, nice. For those that don't know what that is, basically you pay some local farmers some money, and they just, every week, they put a crate of vegetables together for you. And you just get to eat them vegetables. They're just your vegetables. Yeah, lots of great farms here in sunny uh, Southern California. That's true. Got a box of almonds. <laughs> Here's to 20 more years of drought. There... Yeah, another 800 days without rain, but I got my almonds. Yeah, yeah. And then in a few years, we'll fall into the sea. Exactly. It'll be, yeah, we just drought, and then we also drown. What a, what a fun existence we have. It's like we're dry until we're finally not. <laughs> wow, that is very deep, Eric. Thanks, man. Wow. I've been thinking about it a lot. You uh, you smoked some vegetables this morning? or No, no, not about that. No, um, uh, yeah. But weed is a illegal plus beverage or plant. Please smoke responsibly. Unless you live here in California. Then, Unless you live uh, here in California. Partake up, as I think they say. That is what everybody says. You're, you're down to partoke. <laughs> that sucked. Um, yeah, yeah. Uh, so you got some vegetables from the CSI. Um, yep, CSI Miami. Everything else been good? Uh, yeah. Just 
I feel like I'm busy all the time, but like, I I also don't know where that's that time's all going. Like, I don't know between like work and uh, you know this uh, starting up our um, blues jam thing next week, starting that back up after a year and a half off. So I'm pretty excited about that. See everybody, uh, getting the gang back together. You know, I love to hear it. Yes. I love to hear it. Yes. Busy guy. Well, that's good stuff, man. Yeah. Well, Glad you can still take uh, time out of your busy life to make this happen. I, you know, I, I care about our fans. Yeah. Our rabid Pixar and slash beer fans. They mean the world to us. They really do. <laughs> uh, what about you, bud? What uh, what you got? Got anything uh, fun? Exciting? Chilling, man. Just just travel planning. Going to be out of town in a couple weeks oh, yeah. here. Going to... Going to sunny, sunny Portland. Going to going to Oregon, and then before that, spending three days at the cabin in Alexandria, Minnesota. So nice. Yeah, should be good. A little lake time, little Pacific Coast time. Uh, yeah, yeah. Checking out a new city. Just uh, just trying to get there. It's a lot. <laughs> Rather than taking it all on at once, just trying to chip away at it so last night was was plane ticket night uh night before was was some airbnb airbnb work now uh it's just kind of rental car shopping Mm. you pick out a car yet i haven't at this point i'm just uh i'm not even picking a picky um especially like since we're gonna be in the city i don't really want to be like flashing a nice car or anything like that so the more and more i think about it it's like if i'm driving up the coast like but but Eric, how often? I'm just picturing you in like a just like a tiny red Corvette, like you could barely fit in it because you're tall and you just not a red Corvette, probably a red Porsche or Ooh. A Ferrari. Ooh, there you go. Cool cars. Yeah, exactly. Hey, look at this double segue. Two segues for cars too. Ooh, look at you. Look at you. Well, before we dive into this, what sure. do you say? We crack open the conversation. I'm sorry. Did you Gas want to say up. It? We can fuel up. Come on. It was right there. All right. All right. Yeah. Whatever. So, uh, yeah. The beer we're drinking today comes in a fine brown bottle with a yellow uh, wrap and a, a green lid. Can anyone guess what it is? Can I have that, that bottle opener there? Also, I believe it. Uh, it is the anniversary of this beer. I believe it's... 35 years today just oh, this yeah. year okay i guess yeah it's kind of hard to have a date on a beer anybody anybody it's a it's a classic label it's got some uh some 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 i believe that's uh wheat wheat on the front of it okay a little wheat yep or barley maybe um, uh, that's that's wheat but it's not a wheat beer so that's where i'm confused well i i don't know man i don't make the rules it's wheat on there though if you haven't figured it out yet, the beer we're talking about comes to you from the fantastic city of St. Paul, Minnesota, and it is Summit Mm-mm-mm. EPA. And I'm amazed we haven't reviewed this beer yet on this show, because it's one of my favorites. Uh, but the reason we chose this beer, the reason I chose this beer, Nate's still looking at I, me. I have no I'm, idea why. I ha- like, I'm excited that I have this beer in my hand, but I don't know why. Yeah, so... Um, you know, Summit EPA, the E standing for extra, and uh, Cars 2 being the most extra of the Pixar films. So uh, here you go, buddy. 
Feel like you just really wanted to summit. God, I love that beer. I really did just want to summit. Yeah, I was gonna. That was a bit of a walk to get there, but you know, I, whatever. It's fine. Man, like every time I drink it, I'm like, ah, yeah, that's right. I, I, and I love that it's at. It doesn't matter what dive bar you go to, what town you're in. They've probably got this beer on tap. Like, this is the beer that I imagine, like, Bruce Springsteen on, like, a cross-country road trip pit-stopping in, like, some small Minnesota town and snagging this from, like, Joe's off-sale. <laughs> just cracking one out of the tailgate of his truck and singing a song about a small American town. Or, uh, better yet, from our producer, Salsa Dave's band, Bruce Springsteen, Will You Be My Dad? Yeah. Yeah. Didn't, we had that as It's uh, a good tune. We... Oh yeah, that was for the. It was a closing tune, yeah. Yeah, for the Randall Cunningham episode. That was a big deal. Those guys letting us use their tune. Mm-hmm. Heck yeah, it's a jam. Exactly. A jam. I know a few uh, friends of the show are, are. Sam, if you could put the hook into this right now, like right here, just insert the hook for that song, and we'll pick it back up. All right, and that was uh, the hook of Bruce Springsteen, Will You Be My Dad? By local band uh, Bread Knife. Yeah. <laughs> Fronted by producer of the show, Salsa Dave. So, thanks, guys. Um, Yeah. Cheers. Hell yeah. Well, what do you say we, uh, we, we race into this one a little bit? Cars 2. Let's, uh, let's hit the starting line and... Mm. This thing underway. What are you? Yeah, we, are we, are we clinking again? Yeah, we got glass gonna, bottles. So we're gonna choose as much as we can. That's true. One of us is gonna break. I hope so. Yep. Anyway, but hopefully not break down much hey. like Lightning McQueen did. I'm just gonna fill this with so many bullshit low effort puns. It's gonna be great. You're doing a good job so far, yep. man. Hey, cheers. I'm not tired of it yet. You know. <laughs> Maybe we cheers after every pun. I'm going to need another summit in a minute here. Yeah, no shit. Um, all right, so we start off this one uh, with kind of a weird, yeah, definitely a weird, unexpected intro. It does set the tone for the rest of the movie, but um, it actually starts on a character we don't know. Uh, goes by the name Finn McMissile, and he is a secret agent spy car. Played by Michael Caine. Yes, and I do love Michael Caine. Um, but he is on a fishing vessel in the middle of the ocean uh, trying to get to some coordinates. And all of a sudden, or they're out in the middle of the ocean, there's no one around. And all of a sudden, this giant military-looking boat rolls up. Um, I love that detail, too, how, like, We'll get into it more, but, like, Cars 1 was very much, like, paid homage to kind of Southern Americana culture, I feel like. Just uh, country music, NASCAR, that kind of thing. And this is very much a play on, like, 60s espionage films. Yep. Um, But at the very beginning of this one, it becomes pretty clear that, oh, like, the planes, the ships, like, they're all also... Yep. It starts off on a much bigger scale than the first Cars, which is kind of hard, because, I mean, the first Cars is literally a cross-country trip. Yeah. But... But as we discussed, it's, like, 
it's a cross country trip, but we only see three destinations on the entire of the entire country over like the course of a rascal flat song. Exactly. It, uh, yeah, I don't know. All of these movies kind of have weird a weird pace to them. Um, but yeah, I did kind of like that they dived more into the universe of like how everything else works outside yeah. of a very car specific. Na- yeah, NASCAR. Um, but yeah, they, so this big boat, big military boat rolls up, um, tells them to get lost and Finn McMissiles sneaks off his boat and onto the back of the other big boat comes up to this field of oil rigs in the middle of the ocean. Um, and then he does a whole bunch of spy shit, uh, gets some pictures of this weapon, mysterious weapon that we know is a camera. We know it's a camera and we know it's a weapon. And that's all the detail we get. And then there's like a chase scene um, where he's escaping from the barge. Gets off the barge, gets missiles shot at him. and Fakes like his own death. Yeah, there's, in this movie too, uh, I forget, like kind of like Incredibles, in The Incredibles, where they're just straight up killing people. Yeah. They are straight up killing people in this movie. Yeah. Um, we see like a dead car at the very beginning that's been like compacted. Yep. In, yeah. Like in a shipping crate. Yeah. A spy that got found out on the oil rig. Yeah. Compacted car. Like kind of, yeah, a little brutal when you think about it. By the way, this film is rated G. A lot of Pixar films get away with the old PG, but yeah, this is a, a G rated one and some pretty adult themes and also like. A plot that's weirdly paced and pretty dense for a kid's movie, but we can also get into that more. A lot of themes of, like, big oil and corruption and espionage and double-crossing. I mean, when you got a double-cross and then another double-cross and it becomes a quadruple-cross and it's, like, a G-rated movie that's advertised to, like, five-year-olds, it's like, all right. Yeah, this is no five-year-old knows who Sean Connery is. Yeah, like, yeah, this was a no five-year-old knows what an Aston Martin is. This is a James Bond movie disguised as a Cars movie, um, and not a good one. No, it. Uh, I don't know. I don't want to. I don't want to reveal my my feelings on this whole thing. Just well, they're pretty obvious, but there were some very enjoyable scenes. Yes, which we'll get to. Um, but yeah, they it's it's a James Bond film that has little to do with racing or Lightning McQueen, which was kind of weird. Mm-hmm. Um, but anyway, Finn McMissile uh, he ends up faking his own death to escape, and then we cut to um, then we cut to like a news clip where we meet one of the other main characters. Um, Axel, what's his name? Something Axel. Yeah, uh, Sir Miles Axel. Right. Yeah. I think after that they cut to Mater maybe towing another car. Into oh yeah, town. towing the lemon, the lemon car, which is a kind of a theme throughout the whole movie. The lemon cars are kind of the bad guys, but this guy wasn't. Yeah, bad. it was just a lemon car. Is just yeah, a lemon just breaks down all the time, poorly yeah. built, um, which is kind of an interesting thing with this whole universe where it's like there are just inferior cars they break down like the amount of like maintenance and parts that these cars require and like constantly breaking down and like but they're all sentient beings 
I don't know. It's like a weird, a, like you kind of just with a kids movie, kind of just like gloss over a lot of things that you like think of when you think of cars. Yeah. But in this one, it's like addressing them all, like oil leaks and, um, yeah, breaking down constantly, um, getting stranded. I don't know. There's just like a bunch of weird. Um, actually, also in this one, which is just kind of a fun fact. So there's there's a reference to the Pope mobile. Um, and then you see the Pope. So in that vein, Christian or Catholicism exists in the cars world, which means that there was a car Jesus that was crucified. Like you, I mean, it was there, right? It has to be. There's no other way to do it. You have a Pope. If you follow that down the line, car Jesus. Car Jesus should just be like a new adult swim program. <laughs> just Jesus. <laughs> they do the Bible, but in the cars universe. Yeah. That would be dark. Be into that. It turns like one quart of fuel into like 5,000. Exactly. <laughs> feeding is, yeah, feeding the whole, the whole village. Yeah. Yeah. That could be good. The passions of the car. Starring Mel Gibson. No, no, he can. Uh, we'll pass on him. Gonna pass on Gibson for starring Seth Rogen. Starring Seth Rogen. Passion. I'm Jesus and I'm a car. <laughs> Just imagining the cover. I might. Maybe that's what I'll I'll put up as the graphic this week. Passion of the car. Uh, all I gotta <sighs> say is be careful with that one. Yeah, yeah. Be careful. With we'll that we'll one. dance around it. But uh, how about I help catch us back okay, up here Okay, yeah, real get, quick. get us to it. I'll be a, do a little celebrity appearance here on Nate's plot summary. Um, but yeah, so Mater tows this lemon back into town, and he's, you know, Wonder Woman McQueen's waiting to get back, and he's telling this lemon as he's towing him, you know, it's kind of like this joke, like, you almost made it this time, you almost made it to the county lines, and like, this car is just trying to get to its next stop and keeps breaking down and getting towed. And as Mater's telling this car about how he needs to, he's waiting for McQueen to get back, he should be back any day, he sees down the road that uh, Lightning McQueen has already arrived, and they're driving on the the newly paved road from the last film, which is a nice little callback. And uh, yeah, he gets there, and warm welcomes and all that, and they end up having a little kind of best friends day. Um, they go out and they do some of their favorite things. The first one is, uh, they take their wheels off and they go on the local train tracks and almost try to do like a roller coaster ride. And Mater makes a quip about how these tracks haven't been active for years, but then when they go through a tunnel, they see a train light coming at them and it turns out to be not Sally. Um, What's that? forget her name, but she's like the old... The old rickety the old rickety model like t car model t yeah exactly um what is her name yeah i'm drawing i'm drawing a blank right now um lizzie oh yeah lizzie named after uh the tin lizzie which was a 1923 ford model t coupe um but yeah, so that was like the first one of their shenanigans. And then after that, they go out tractor tipping, but this time it's dump truck tipping. And yeah, tips it over, it farts, butt humor, always plays well in kids' movies. That it does. And uh, 
Yeah, McQueen's pretty pooped out after his first day back in town with Mater. Doesn't really know what's next. Just trying to take some downtime with his friends. And Mater's already planning stuff for the evening. And McQueen's just kind of like, hey, man, I just kind of want to see Sally. Just me and Sally. Him and, him and his boo. Him and his know? boo. So they go to Flo's, I believe, for drinks and kind of a little celebration and McQueen's back kind of thing. Dinner with Sally and he sees on the TV an interview with Miles Axelrod. Uh, no, it was with Francesco. Oh, that's right. It's an yeah. interview with with Francesco on some sort of um the something Mel Eldorado show or something like that. Yeah. And Francesco's this um European um Formula 1 car who is um Who's Francesco voiced by? I was just looking that up. Oh, John oh, that, Torturo. Yeah, that's right. So, another big name to uh the addition of this film, but yeah, this uh, Formula One car is on the screen talking about this next um, upcoming um, Grand Prix race. Yeah, the all-in-all race. The all-in-all World Grand Prix. And it's this European road race sponsored by this new alternative cleaner burning fuel. Um, and yeah, Francesco, he's this indie car, so open wheels and stuff. Much different than the stock cars and American cars that we saw in the first um cars film and all the other cars are kind of just in awe with him they keep talking about his open wheels and his no fenders and stuff like that yep and mcqueen's a little self-conscious you can kind of tell even sally's kind of geeking out over this guy and um yeah they ended up bringing in the the founder and creator of all in all who is um uh this guy that is played by um, Eddie Izzard, Sir Mile Axelrod, who's basically this billionaire oil tycoon that tried to travel the world by himself and ended up getting lost with no GPS and basically came out of the jungle on a self-sustaining fuel that he came up with. And now he's marketing this fuel in a race series. And it's yep. supposed to be cleaner burning. Also, after this excursion, he allegedly transitioned himself to electric vehicle, mm -hmm. which is fascinating. But yeah, he's kind of this rich Land Rover that's trying to appeal to people and seem cool and seem like a hero in some ways. I'm trying yeah. to think who I'd compare this guy I to. I know exactly who I'd compare him to. It's freaking Elon Musk over here. Elon Truck. I get that a little bit. Yeah. I Maybe it's just the Elon Musk comparison was so close to me with um, Bob Odenkirk's character in Incredibles 2. Oh, sure. But maybe well, he is kind of a lot like this, this guy. This is more like a, a fuel travel. Um, that aspect is very close to Elon Musk. Yeah. And the electric car business. and Or like a Richard Branson. Okay. Well. Yeah, I think um, I don't know. We can we can argue comparisons all day, but I'm just gonna go with I'm just gonna call him Elon Truck from now on because remembering everybody's there's a lot of new characters, kind of like in Toy Story two yeah. or not two three, 
where there's just a shitload of new characters. Um, and honestly, none of them make all that big of an impact on me. Like, I, yeah, that's why we're having to look these up live. Cause like, I don't know, none of the characters really stuck out. No. And like you said, the pacing was weird. Um, it was basically the meter movie, which I think that's why we'll kind of breeze through some of that stuff, but I just wanted to kind of, uh, spend some more time at the front of the show, just kind of explaining this because really once we get past these characters, it's basically Mater um, and the, the spies. Um, yeah. Mater, basically the rest of the movie is Mater not understanding what's going on, but like accidentally being helpful. And yes. and they just, it's, I mean, the next like big three acts here are essentially the same thing like it's the same thing you watched it the last time and then it just does it again in a different city it's just yeah it's true but uh yeah bringing it back to i guess where we left off um they're at flows they're watching this news interview we get the backstory on the Sir Miles Axelrod, and as McQueen's kind of distracted in conversation, catching up, Mater calls into the show, and more or less is kind of talking crap or defending McQueen. Yep. Um, and yeah, McQueen ends up hearing what's going on, and you know, accepting in this this all all in all like qualifier race or something. And, uh, yeah, from that moment on, he's in. He's got his next race. Um, initially, he's kind of reluctant. We see a little change in heart for him where he's almost going to turn down the race. But then he turns and um, the the Fiats are cracking champagne and they go, uh, beat stop. And they're, <laughs> they're, they're ready to go. Um, so that was kind of the first time that he'd, you know, kind of evaluated his decisions and been like, eh, you know. Maybe I got to say no. I just got back. And his friends are like, nah, man, get in there and do it. This yeah. guy called you out. And so, yeah, from that moment, we're kind of off. And it's weird. It's kind of this false open where from that moment on, we think it's going to be the Lightning McQueen movie. And they throw us a total curveball. And it becomes the Mater movie. And I guess I'll give it back to you on that note. Yeah. Um. Uh, there, so there's kind of a an issue or like the first race. So it's a three race, um, grand prix, uh, first race there in Tokyo. Is that right? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. They're in Tokyo. Yep. Um, and there was a lot of fun, like cars universe equivalents to like, there was like a bunch of, there's a wall where there's a bunch of vending machines and like cars coming up, like buying new tires from these vending machines. Like, Buying, like, weird things that you wouldn't think that would be in one. Um, also, sidebar, quick one here. Um, if you have the Disney Plus app, there's a lot of um, little shorts that are kind of parallel, more or less standalones to these films we're discussing. Um, a few Toy Story ones, basically everything. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, they're usually 8 to 10 minutes long, and... Uh, there's a handful of Cars ones, and I have not watched them all, but last night I did watch a funny one, Tokyo Mater. And Tokyo Mater was a 2008 Cars short, kind of a buffer between the 2006 film and the one we're discussing now, which was 2011. So, kind of funny to see them 
animate a Tokyo race sequence before this film, but it's very different. Um, the one in Tokyo Mater is much more of like a Tokyo Drift night. Mater gets a fresh blue paint job and is like got rockets on the back of them. It's it's wild. I'll have to check that. I haven't I haven't watched any of the shorts for any of them. Pretty hit or miss, but okay. it's fun to see them. Like when I see those shorts at first, I just thought, oh, it's going to be cheaper versions. But like they're animated to the same standard of the features. For the most part, they have the same voices. They're just little. Just eight minute. Adventures. Basically something that didn't make it to the movie. Yeah. Kind of thing. Like almost like you'd pair two of them together and it'd be like a high end Saturday morning cartoon. Okay. All right, I might have to reevaluate my whole feeling on that. There's a lot of them. There's probably like 20. Toosh. Yeah. Maybe we'll do a clip episode. That'd be kind of fun. Do our favorite uh, Disney shorts. I, that could be Pixar cool. shorts. But that means I got to watch all of them. Yeah. And I can't imagine all of them are good. Maybe we'll have a day where we just watch them live together and we'll record <laughs> that. That could be kind of fun. Wouldn't mind doing a live recording. Um. Oh, yeah. But, but anyway, back to the... Back to the bit here. Um, so it kind of starts off, or this race starts off, and Mater's like the crew chief. Um, but he's getting distracted by, um, was it, uh, what's that, the spy car's name? Um, um, that is name? Holly Shiftwell. Yep. Emily Mortimer's character. Yeah, so Holly Shiftwell, um, is talking to Mater through, like, a headset and uh, trying to, like, rendezvous with Mater. Mater had... Oh, yeah. There was a part we missed. Um, Mater ends... in While in Tokyo, Mater ends up, like, going to this bathroom. Um, After he has an oil leak on stage, he yeah. comes out, leaks oil in front of McQueen, and Sir Miles Axelrod goes to the bathroom to clean up and gets kind of caught in the middle of a of a mob mob shakedown mom mob rough up kidnapping on the american who yep. we've been hearing about who's actually played by bruce campbell which is funny um playing kind of like this modern day muscle car maybe a camaro yeah and that scene also pretty crazy because they're like it's like a hardcore like very visceral hand-to-hand like fist fight more or less but in car world where yep. they're like ramming him into the wall and stuff and he's getting dented and like dying yep Just, yeah they're beating up this this camaro and uh the camaro sees mater and puts a not a homing beacon but basically like an information drop a, a what amounts to like a hard drive um attaches it to mater and doesn't that car end up getting killed too he does end up getting killed a little bit later. Um, yeah, they end up blowing him up on screen. Uh, which, again, pretty dark. Pretty weird. But yeah, yeah they, they blow his ass up. Um, but that yeah, that that's when they're kind of explaining what the weapon is, which is in a little bit here. Um, but Mater... Yeah, so Mater's got this homing beacon. And Holly Shiftwell is trying to find this or find this hard drive that Mater has. So she's talking to him, and Mater doesn't turn his headset off uh, that is feeding directly to Lightning McQueen, who's racing. 
So Mater says something, meaning to tell it to Holly, but instead says it to Lightning, which then causes Lightning to make a mistake on the course and lose the race. Yep. Um, so Lightning's all pissed about this, uh, kind of goes off on Mater a little bit, and Mater decides that it's best if he just goes back to Radiator Springs. And that's an important part because it it turns it... Before, Mater and Lightning were always roughly in the same area. The same shit was happening to them. But this turns it... This gives them the chance to turn it into a movie almost entirely about Mater. Yes. Yep. Yes. Um, so then, I mean, there's a whole bunch of chase sequences. Um, it's also... I know we kind of referenced that car getting blown up on screen, but... That's roughly around the time when this happens. Yep. And that character was, um, like I said, Bruce Campbell. The name of the character was um, uh, Rod Torque Redline, which really doesn't matter. They referred to him as the American. He was a spy. But when he gets blown up, that's a key element because the way he gets blown up is he's running on all in all. And they use this EMP cannon cannon which reacts to all in all and that cannon is what is disguised as a film camera so at this point we're kind of putting it all together that the lemons are going to take this camera try to disguise it bring it i mean it is disguised they're going to bring this camera into the final race you know start blowing up race cars start blowing up race cars specifically mcqueen yeah well yeah they're trying to blow up the race cars to show the dangers of this alternative fuel source yes yeah um because and as we found out they're sitting on the largest oil field of all time yes um so yeah again another car gets blown up like their car's sitting there and they're using this camera on him and it flashes to a different screen but in the reflection on the screen we see the american get blown up which also kind of crazy i mean like a lot of layers there for a kid's movie i know this plot description we kind of knocked this movie right off the get-go but i figured this one would take longer just because it is a really dense movie but i mean i'm not a huge fan of guns in a kid's movie but at least they understand what it is you know this Mm -hmm. is like a bad guy he's shooting the good guy this is not good there is is also a lot of guns in this movie a lot of guns but also like this emp cannon i mean trying to get kids to understand you know emps and alternative fuel sources and later on there's a scene with a clock where they talk about reversing polarity and i mean this is a lot for like a five-year-old presumably to wrap their head around i mean it's straight up james bond packaged as a cars movie like you said which is funny because we thought a long time about doing james pod james pod and uh james pond yeah um yeah it i don't know and it the like we're not doing a great job with this plot summary but this whole movie, like they, it, the pacing is so weird because, like, for one, it's very dense, and then they like pack, they almost pack too much into it. Where, again, with like the the three following acts here, like basically right after this race, it's Mater getting into a situation with the spies and getting rescued, chase scene, then on to the next one, then on to the next one, like. 
there in the second second city is somewhere in Italy. Yeah, it's in Italy. Yeah, it's in Italy, and like you meet, um, we go to like Luigi's hometown, and there's like a scene there, but like don't really learn anything. Lightning fe- starts to feel bad about what he said to Mater. Some inside baseball car stuff about Ferraris and whatnot. They kind of, you know, play on the local cars whenever they travel to a different region, which I guess is fun maybe if you're a big car person, but it's not really justifiable for a fun fact. And it's not really plot summary because it doesn't necessarily pertain to the story. Exactly. Like, there's a lot in this movie because the movie is also the longest out of the three. And there's, yeah. I feel like it's pretty short for Pixar standards. Isn't it only like an hour and a half? No, it's like an hour 45, hour 50. Yeah. Because, like, I was trying to watch it. um, But, like, it was, like, I started at, like, 12 30, 1 o'clock. And I made it, like, halfway through. And I was like, I need to go to bed. Like, this has been a lot. And there was still 45 minutes left on it. Yeah. It was, I don't know. It was a long one. But, um, yeah, for the most part, again, it's just chase scene after chase scene after chase scene, a little Lightning McQueen action in the side, and then we get to the final race. Yeah. Like, I mean, we learn... There's some disguising, some gadgetry. Yeah. And we learn some things about the plot, but we've already kind of covered those. Like, the lemons. We figure out that, like, all of the lemons, like, they, the lemon families, they're essentially mob families. But it's just a, ser- a whole bunch of cars that uh, break down all the time, and they're sick of getting pushed around. So they're like the villains in this movie. And even the leader of the villains is very much a cookie-cutter villain. He's got this kind of indistinguishable bad guy accent, has a monocle, yep. you know, not particularly intimidating, but has a lot of henchmen doing his dirty work. It's it's right out of a 007 movie, you know? Yeah. He keeps himself about as far away from the action as possible, and it's 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 fine. Yep. It's nothing particularly original. No. Um, but we get to... Yeah, we get to London, and Mater and the spies get kidnapped. Uh, or they get caught by the henchmen. Um and we wake or they wake up and they're in what was big was what was the name they gave big ben big like, bentley big bentley yes which i wish they would have made it just a tall vertically standing car yes there is they had an opportunity and they didn't like they named it big bentley and then they didn't do anything car related with it which i thought was weird it was weird but at that point they have to animate almost every building as a car or they go against the rules just for the sake of one joke so they got the wordplay i guess that's that's fine yeah um but mater uh mcmissile and holly all wake up in this thing they're all trapped roped to the gears of this this clock yep and the henchmen have them tied there so they can watch them. Yeah, so Mater can watch the henchmen blow up Lightning McQueen on the track. Like, yes. they have them tied there, not because it's beneficial to them, but because they want to watch them. They want them to watch as they blow their friend up. Again, weirdly dark. And um, then the bad guys end up ditching them to well, go do their stuff yeah, and basically so they, leaving them to their fate. Well, they try to blow up lightning, and it doesn't work. Or, yes, they try to blow up lightning, and then, while well, I guess the cars are still there monitoring the spies in the clock tower. 
Mater, he does this thing a few times where he accidentally activates his guns. Yep. And he does that in this moment, and there's something that, you know, they make a quip about how they stripped him of his bullets, but because his Gatling guns still spin, it allows him to break free of his ropes, scaring the other cars, causing them to flee. He gets out of the building, the other spies tell him to leave them, and then uh, McMissile and... Holly. Holly end up... um, what do they even do? They gun right. it. They gun it, and the gear ends up breaking the rope. They they reverse the polarity of the clock. Yeah, they gun it because they're tied to each other from the bumper, and it stretches the rope just enough for the cog to break the rope, setting them free. Yeah. And then now they're in pursuit of Mater, who is in pursuit of McQueen. Well, yes. And Mater is also parachuting at this point. Yeah. And we find out that. There's a secondary plan. They strapped a, a bomb to Mater's, uh, yeah, Ma- or strapped a bomb to Mater that he doesn't know is there um, as a backup because they know Mater's going to run to lightning, so they're going to have Mater blow lightning up. Yeah, not even just like strapped. Like they full on bolted this thing to like the front of his engine block, and it's like yep. voice activated. Yeah. Um, so then there's a scene where Mater finally catches up to lightning. And then realizes he is the bomb and tries to run away. But Lightning's not understanding. Like, it's just the whole theme of the movie is miscommunication. Um, Lightning's, like, chasing Mater down, trying to, like, apologize for how he behaved. And Mater is so far beyond that. He's like, no, if if I'm near you, you're going to blow up, blah, 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 blah. And they finally end up figuring out that Mater has a bomb attached. um, And Mater kind of he he calls out a bluff um throughout the whole movie we're trying to figure out who there's a reference to the big boss um but we're not sure who that is the big bad guy uh but mater seems to figure it out and he approaches um the queen he approaches the queen of england tells her that he has a bomb on him yep and miscommunication yep and then rolls right up to uh axwell and he's sitting axelrod uh sitting right next to axelrod and kind of like talking to axelrod with this bomb about to go off and axelrod finally uh caves and deactivates the bomb exposing him as the overarching bad guy yes and there was some stuff earlier some photos taken of a car's engine that mater tried to identify because he's a tow truck he knows cars and he kind of blows it by, or, or or uncovers the bad guy's plot when he's got Axelrod cornered and it's the final ticking seconds of this bomb. He's demanding Axelrod open his hood to reveal that he's a gas engine, not a electric engine. And then at the end, yeah, like I said, you're like you said, he deactivates the bomb with his voice. They pop his hood. They figure out that he had the same engine because the same bolts used on the bomb were the same bolts used on that engine that Axelrod had. And it's also uncovered that he was the one that leaked the oil next to Mater, and Mater took the fall for it. Also kind of a nice mention of that at the very beginning when Mater says to the other lemon, I don't leak oil, something along those lines um yeah so even kind of mater was aware the whole time like this wasn't me he's constantly trying to defend and explain himself 
more or less the theme of this whole movie. Yeah. Um, but more or less happy ending. Um, they end up finishing the race, the circuit in, um, radiator springs and i don't know if this whole plot sounded confusing and kind of all over the place to you if this whole summary that's because it is yeah it is this movie is all over the place uh super dense i mean the visuals were fun but like it just it's not even that it's hard to follow but like it's almost exhausting to follow okay and now they're in tokyo and now they're in paris and i don't know it was yeah it was not well done no i've got a lot of thoughts on this one but we'll save that for our final act um real quick we're gonna review our beer for this segment and then we'll take a quick little break and come back with some fun facts but in the meantime extra pale ale also known as EPA from Summit out of St. Paul, Minnesota. One of my favorite breweries, one of my go-to beers, kind of like one of, uh, I would say it's a bar staple in Minnesota. You can find it on tap at, you know, the nicest uh, bars and the diviest hole in the walls, you know, from, from pizza joints to, you know, nice hotel bars to ritzy wine restaurants you know yep they probably got a bottle of summit or one tap of it um and it's good it it's, is it, it's a over hopped pale ale and it's it's nice it's malty it's bitter probably no surprises here this is right up there with hams for me this is an easy five star beer for me i will drink it again we'll continue to drink it yeah we'll buy 24 packs of this beer I will never stop drinking this beer. <laughs> I don't know if they make it in twenty fours, but twelve certainly. I'm pretty sure they. I'm, I'm pretty sure they can it. Also, maybe I know they can it. I know they do twelve packs, but I don't know about twenty fours. <laughs> maybe not. Um, but yes, either way, I mean I'm right up there with you. It, I've I'm never not in the mood to drink this beer. Yeah, like it's it's just always there for me. Um, I'm gonna go. I mean, I have to give it a five, right? I have to. For the amount I drink this beer and for the amount I will recommend it to anybody that anybody that this style fits. Yeah. Like, it's just a great beer. So you heard it here first. Five star. A double double five. five star from the Suds Buds. 100% Suds Buds passes the test, sets the curve with flying colors. Never S- change Summit EPA. <laughs> sets the pace of the race. Hey, we're the real pace car. You the know? real pace car. The pace car of beer. Summit yep. EPA. We love you, Summit. Mm. But we may not have loved this movie, but I'm glad we got to, to drink a, a tasty, delicious foamer yeah. while we, we chugged through that, uh, that plot summary. But I'm sweaty. I could use a little water. Yep. We're going to take a quick little break, and we'll be right back with some Cars 2 fun facts. So don't go anywhere. And don't interrupt me, Nate. Hey, what you got here in the tree? How about that pistachio ice cream? No, no, wasabi. Oh, same old, same old. What's up with you? That looks delicious. A little more, please. It is free, right? Keep it coming. A little more. Come on, let's go. It's free. 
You're getting there. Scoop, scoop. There you go. Now that's a scoop of ice cream. Yo, and welcome back. Let's crack open the conversation. That's a good sound. Mm, that sounds nice. So, all right. I'm going to pour this up real quick, and we'll let you all know what we're sipping on. We got uh... inbound mango hibiscus saison. The pedal pounder put the pedal to the metal. Hell yeah, brother! Oh yeah, oh yeah! A fresh and floral saison brewed with a pounder's worth of real hibiscus petals, plus juicy mango, built for a season of petals. Built for to and petals. They spelt petals two ways, like yeah. with a D and a T. That was a fun joke. Petal and petal. Yeah, yeah. nice. nice. Bacon and flowers. You know, you get it? Do you get it, Eric? I get it, Nate. This is the first time I've ever seen a, uh, a pink Saison. Uh, I didn't. I thought we had, like, a Saison that was pretty floral. Oh, wow. Hmm. Okay. Okay. Almost okay. tastes kind of like a Goza. I'm not getting that. I'm getting a lot of iron out of it, though. You know what I mean, like, like that well water kind of iron. Yeah, I can feel that. Pretty low carb, I feel like for a saison too. Yeah. All right. So I'm gonna, I'm gonna contemplate a little bit on this guy. Yeah. Why don't I? Why don't I chat for a little hit, while? Hit him with them fun facts. Yeah, yeah. Hit me with them fun facts. So there's not a lot today, guys. I'm sorry. This is our favorite part of the show. We know you like it too, but it's kind of slim pickings today. Not a lot of people with fun facts for Cars 2, but I'll let you know what I found scouring the deep web. <laughs> fun fact number one. Did you know Finn McMissile was originally conceived for an unused scene in Cars, the original? Uh, basically, in this scene, Lightning McQueen and Sally were seeing a spy movie featuring McMissile while they were on a date. So, he was cut from that movie. And, yeah, basically just that deleted scene was enough to bring him back as a lead character in this movie. Which, whatever. I like Michael well, Caine. I gotta say, he's very out of place with this ensemble. Yeah, um, but I, for that character, I can't think of an actor I'd want more. Maybe Pierce Brosnan. I was say, I was saying the same thing. I was watching this with Samantha, girlfriend of the show, yeah. and I was saying that they should have cast an ex Bond, either Connery or Pierce Brosnan, for the role of McMissile. I would have loved Brosnan. Just this. like some European gentleman, you know. <laughs> but like with the car, because yeah, I mm, I feel like. The style of car he was, if it was Brosnan, it would have to be like a newer. You know what I mean? Pierce Brosnan also ain't young anymore. That's true. Well, but how old? I mean, this movie came out in. Was this 2010? No. 2011. 2011. Yeah. So Pierce Brosnan at this point probably already pushing 60. How old is Pierce Brosnan? I guess probably about 70. Mm, I can't. No, I don't think he's that. I mean, he hasn't done a Bond movie in 20 years, and he was probably pushing 50 at the last Bond. Pierce Brosnan is 68 years old. There you go. Just had his 68th birthday in May. All right. Still doing Mamma Mia's, I think. 
probably. It's funny. It's uh, on his movie list. It's Goldeneye, Die Another Day, Mamma Mia, Tomorrow Never Dies, The World Is Not Enough, Mamma Mia, Here We Go Again. Like, do they rank it by like most watched? I I don't know. Most money brought in, highest grossing. That could be. Anyways. Moving along with more Finn McMissile fun facts. Uh, so, did you know Finn McMissile is a hybrid of several real cars? The roofline and doors are from a Volvo P1800, the car used by Sir Roger Moore in The Saint, which was a 1962 film. Uh, the grill and fenders are from a BMW 507, and many other elements are from an Aston Martin DB5, which was James Bond trademark uh, vehicle. According to the James Bond vehicles by John Cork and Colin Stutes, it never carried missiles. That's the the DB5. Uh, though the Goldfinger 1964 version did have machine guns. So they took some liberties with the styling, but it was based on some real pop culture cars. So kind of cool. Yeah. Definitely saw the DB5 the most in that car, the Aston Martin. Yeah, there was always, I don't know, it it was fun. Like when you saw Finn McMissile on like on screen, even at first, you knew what he was. Yeah, like even down to the silver color. Yep, um, which is kind of funny. Like thing about a spy and like oh, but he's also gonna be super flashy. And but that was kind of like the James Bond thing is like somehow trying to be covert but also flashy as hell. Yeah, and. Maybe this is a good time to mention it too. Finn McMissile had a really unique power gadget that we never discussed. And basically it's where he would throw this line out and create like a grid-like web that he could travel any direction on and basically become like Spider-Man car. <laughs> yep. Just propel himself in any direction on like this rope grid. Like a weird grappling hook combined with like a web shooter combined with like a zip line. It was just very weird ability where i was like okay this guy can do anything yeah he he pretty much gets around doing whatever at the end of the movie he's like getting sucked in by this electromagnet and he just shoots like bombs off of his hubcap and causes like a huge explosion in the ocean i mean <laughs> yeah his his abilities he's pretty op yeah <laughs> finn mcmissile could use a nerf yeah yeah if there was like a, a cars version of super smash brothers i'd probably play mcmissile yeah that's probably <laughs> be the dumbest game <laughs> so bad i mean they can jump so i guess like you can kind of do it but honestly like, the game would probably be better than the movies probably that'd be the first time in history that they made a game after the movies and it was better there has to be a cars game right oh there's a few video games i think they're more just kind of like platformers um that follow the movie plot and and more which is yeah. kind of a like you could literally just have a racing game and it would be fine. Oh, there's one for PS4. There's one for Nintendo Switch. What is Pixar Rush? We should probably play that at some point. Ooh, is it a kart racer? I don't, it's it's got a like a whole bunch of dis different Pixar characters on the front. All right, we'll get back to that. All right. But, uh, yeah, I think m more Pixar films than not have an accompanying video game. Um, anyways, our final McMissile fact. Uh, Finn McMissile's license plate 
314FNMC actually includes Sir Michael Caine's birthday, which is March 14th. So, kind of cool. Um, did you know this is the first Pixar movie not to be nominated for the Academy Award for Best Animated Film since the award was created in the year 2001? Hmm. Yeah, that makes sense, actually. Yeah. Yeah. Not very good. No. Uh, did you also know this is kind of a sad one, but uh, Lloyd Schur replaced George Carlin for the role of Fillmore, the hippie Volkswagen van, after Carlin's passing following the first Cars film. So, rest in peace, comedic legend George Carlin. And, uh, yeah, I don't know. It's a, not to discredit him, but I think it's a pretty imitatable voice. The, the hippie van. Yeah. Not exactly a hard one. Well, and it's not like they have a lot of lines either. Right. But, like, I get it. Not saying George Carlin's easy to, to impersonate. However, he was doing an impersonation of a, a a character type that's pretty easy to do so yeah um and that brings us to the final fun fact which did you know the pizza planet truck appears twice in this film once as a guest on the tire talk television show and also as a race spectator near the end of the movie while mater is flying on jetpacks so there you go the pizza planet truck it is back hey and that takes us to the end of fun facts. Sheesh. So I'm going to wet my whistle. You weren't kidding. That was, a, that was a quick fun fact section. But I think, I don't know. I'm sure there are more, but like people weren't really wanting to dive into this movie a whole lot. I like don't this, blame them. No, this one, they could have done so much more with so much less on this movie. Like there was no, like the overarching villain thing pretty unnecessary um the like two at least two of the spy like big chases like 20 minute sequences super unnecessary oh yeah um and again like we we get it like we want we all watch cars one we understand mater as a character i don't need to dive deeper into that right like basically it was more like mater was learning about mater but, yeah. like, we knew the whole time. Yeah. I don't really love Mater, but we'll get into that more before we wrap this up. Um, I guess one last thing I can add, not really a fun fact, but Paul Newman passed before this movie got to production, so they wrote his character, um, Doc, out of the film. It's never explicitly said Doc is dead, but at the beginning they're kind of reflecting on his piston cups and talking about how they miss Doc, and it's... Yeah. You know, put two and two together and Yeah, and the in the third one they're pretty yeah, they're like Doc's dead, but Yeah, and the third one they actually use some snippets of like pre recorded dialogue of him from like for flashbacks and stuff. But yeah, mm-hmm. this one Doc is is not in the movie at all. Yeah. So. Um I do have some good music facts Ooh. for this one. Some fun stuff. Um so moving on to the music for cars too. Um Cars 2 is the first and only Pixar film directed by John Lasseter not to be scored by Randy Newman. Newman scored the first and third film of the Cars franchise as well as the Toy Story films that Lasseter directed. So, choosing to go in a different direction. However, he did not choose just some random composer. He chose 
Michael Giacchino, who we've talked about before. He did the Incredibles 1 and 2 soundtracks. We'll also talk about Giacchino more down the road. I believe he does Up, Ratatouille, and possibly Coco as well. Um, but yeah, Michael Giacchino returns to do the score for Cars 2 here. Um, and in addition to Giacchino's original score, we also get some original songs um, featuring the likes of Brad Paisley, Robbie Williams, I hope I'm saying this right, but Banabar, uh, Perfume, and a cover of the classic new wave hit, You Might Think by The Cars, which is featured in this film as covered by Weezer. Now, gotta be careful here. Okay, you be careful. Tread lightly. I'm treading lightly. You gotta, gotta clink for that one. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. I, I, you know. Here we go. <laughs> Thanks, Nate. Yep. Um, so yeah, the this original tune by by Weezer, which by the way, love the song, love the the Cars version, which is like, like I said, it's a it's a new wave classic, belongs in every new wave playlist. I'd never heard the Weezer version. Producer of the show, Salsa Dave Weezer, I think he said a number of times, is his favorite band. Big Weezer fan. Sure. Um, I'm one of those people that I've probably heard like more than half of the songs they've put out, but I'm probably familiar with less than a quarter. They're kind of one of those bands that I stopped trying to discover new songs of after probably like ninth grade. But if there's a new Weezer record, I'll still listen to it. It's just, I've quickly found that I've become like three albums behind with them and then i'll catch up and listen to it but i'm never like i gotta sit down and listen to this new weezer album but i also enjoy all their music it's just kind of like if i'm in the mood for it i'll probably play the songs i know and love um like it it is kind of hard especially when there's like a an album that you particularly like going and listening to new music from that band without thinking of like the old albums. Like you almost have to be on a, on a tear of list. Like it's like two different ways of listening to a band like that. You know, you listen to the songs that you already truly enjoy, but like going back or going forward and listening to new albums, new releases is a little difficult. Sometimes it's like, um, like for me, like, uh, either Bad Religion or AFI, even Tool's new album. I was like, I don't care. Like, yeah. And it's hard, but it's just like, I I grew up listening to Tool, always loved everything they did. Their newest album, I was like, eh, it's fine. I don't, I don't hate it. A lot of people really hated it, and I don't get that. But like, there wasn't much on there for me. Feel that, yeah. Feel that. I listened to Tool, Tool's new record, and they were definitely like a phase band for me. I was never a diehard Tool guy, mm-hmm. but um, you know, I'll listen to New Maynard if it if it comes across. Um, I don't know. It's I get what you're saying. I think it's a reminder that, like, for me, a band that I love is the Red Hot Chili Peppers. I wish I was excited. I wish I was as enthusiastic when they announced that 
John Frusciante is returning to the band as I was when they announced that he was leaving. Does that make sense? <laughs> okay. Like, they're a band that, like, I was there. Like, I would pre-order every new project that was coming out, and when Frusciante left, it shattered me, and I said I wasn't going to listen to him, and then I did, and it was fine, but it wasn't the same, and then he was coming back, and I got really excited, but never as excited as I was when I found out he was leaving. Yeah, I think never... Okay, I get I get what you're saying. And that maybe goes past being a phase band for me, but it's an example of like they're a band that I'll always love. Mm-hmm. They're a band that I'll always go back and listen to their classics and their their deep cuts and their songs that really mean something to me that I have memories tied to. But I'm not hungry for new Red Hot Chili Peppers. They can be they can just be. They can Yep. They can enjoy their time as whatever they want to do as great musicians or former musicians of that one that's what they want to be known as but like you don't need to make music for me anymore yep i think is what i'm trying to say and weezer for me doesn't need to either but maybe that's an unfair statement because i never felt like weezer needed to make music for me yeah weezer i don't know i i didn't get enough onto the weezer train to really like Obviously, I know who they are. I know some of their songs, but for the most part, that's not uh, it's not a band I actively seek out. It's a long, fun train to ride, man. I mean, mm. we're talking about lots of great music videos, lots of live performances, live international albums, probably, probably 14 studio albums in the last 30 years. I mean, it's they got a body of work, mm. um, but... Not to get too caught up on that, um, but yeah, Salsa Dave, big fan of Weezer, so wanted to make sure I did this segment justice. Um, but uh, yeah, fun connection to that song, you might think so. Rick Ocasek, frontman of the Cars, um, produced multiple albums for Weezer over the years, I believe. Blue, their first, I think Green, and then... Everything will be all right in the end, which is probably like 15 years after Green. Um, so, yeah, this guy was like in his 70s and still producing music for, for Weezer. Um, again, just a legend of the new wave scene. I believe he was a rocker out of Boston, Massachusetts. Um, unfortunately, passed away a couple years ago. Uh, lived late into his 70s. But, yeah, just a iconic record producer front man you mentioned bad religion he's produced records for bad religion yep he produced a record for bad brains he produced a record for um no doubt just yeah some some nice kind of punk and garage and indie rock records from like the 80s throughout the early 2000s um so rest in peace um aside from producing for weezer rivers cuomo has always cited him as a influence to being a a young musician that grew up on you know late 70s and early 80s kind of anthem rock glam rock glam rock well what an era yeah which we'll close out with the the cover of that version for the end of this episode uh the weezer version i do love the cars version i think i like it a little more I think it's a, a natural fit for a cover. I think River's voice sounds a lot like OK6. I just like the keyboard, I think, a lot more in the Cars version. I think it's got, like, 
there's something about like 1980s like synthesizers and drum machines you get a very artificial but just that yeah like like an 808 makes just like an iconic sound and not like not like a sample of an 808 that you try to like clean up and make sound good i'm talking just like the raw like mc hammer sound where like no one's no one is under any assumption that it might be a real drum no, and like, I think at the time that's what they were trying to do is like let's make this sound like a band, but we don't have a drummer. Yep. And I think now it's got this artificial sound where I think early two thousands, like the eight oh eight, was probably something that was like not cool because it sounded fake. But now yep. it's gone. It's been long enough that it's like gone through the phase of being trendy and hip and new to being old and phased out to now being like cool again and people know it's not real yeah but it's a cool sound that people want on their record because it's reminiscent of a time period yeah i think that's a lot of there's a lot of parallels between like 80s new wave rock in the u.s and kind of this um transition from like funk to hip-hop um just in the sense of like drum machines and a lot of these bands still had drummers new wave bands specifically mm-hmm. but had a lot of records that had tracks with a drum machine well yeah i mean for one it's especially once um like uh, the one i i like to use is like an octopad but basically just trigger pads where you can key up a sound it's kind of think of a keyboard with 10 pads on it and you just hit it with a stick and it'll you know send off a signal um, for a sound effect like that like that that's also a very common thing now um I just i couldn't not mention 808s and heartbreaks because there's there is a good amount of 808 kind of stuff on there which is a lot of fun yeah like the kanye album um since i'm not like a huge and i'm not a musician i don't mm-hmm. want to try to sound like one don't want to try to claim to be one i know about as little as music about musical theory as you could possibly know i have <laughs> So starter level one yeah. baseline knowledge yeah give, i'll skip you to level three it's all fake and nothing matters <laughs> well that being said um yeah i don't know as much about synthesizers and stuff but um there's something that even to like an untrained ear just that drum machine it's like it sounds fake but it sounds nice when it's when it's, it's layered with the right ensemble of sounds yep when it's used properly it can be very cool when it's just a fill-in for something when it's a fill-in trying to be the real thing that can be a little like that can be obnoxious or not obnoxious but like let it stand on its own don't try to make it into something it's not which hey they oh shit there's a tie back into cars too i got it i did it i did it because that was the whole thing with like mater being like being mater and lightning mcqueen being like stop Try to not be yourself. Got it. I did it. You got it. Good for you. Nate. I'm so good at this. Here. I'm so. Uh, thanks. I gotta get a tink for that. God, I'm talented. Uh, <laughs> but anyways. But anyway. That brings me to the end of music facts. Um, what do you say we talk about this movie a little bit? Okay. I think I know where I'm ranking it. Yeah, I, I know where I'm putting this, but 
Do we want to want to do beer review, villain review? Let's close with the beer review. Close with the beer review. Okay. Um, for me, uh, let's do villain review quick because I think it is worth being said that this villain is excessively nefarious. This is a, this is a very bad villain. Yeah. I mean, this villain is he is bitter. I mean, it's uh, Axelrod. Axelrod's the main villain. The rest are henchmen, and that's fine. But you don't even know it's Axelrod until the last. I mean, you don't know for sure it's Axelrod until the last couple minutes. Um, but Axelrod, when you really lay out what he did, it is he went out started or like yeah went on this adventure uh came back faking that he was an electric car whatever um produced this new type of gasoline which we also learn at the end is not a new type uh it is gasoline with a very specific change that allows it to combust with uh the electromagnet yeah, with, with an emp pulse which I could be wrong, but I don't think the science is there for that. I could be very wrong. I yeah, don't, don't know. know what an EMP pulse would do to gasoline, but I can't imagine a whole lot. No. Maybe if it was like a laser or something, but either way, yeah. Yeah, either way. But he does this because he stumbled upon the world's largest um, fossil fuel deposit and essentially brought out all of these top racing cars so he could kill them all on live TV to then basically put a stop to any alternative fuel source so he could make money because he's bitter that his uh, all the lemons are discriminated against. I don't know if you'd even call it that. I mean, they're made fun of. Yeah, okay. Yeah, discriminated against is probably fair. Yeah. Uh, but he, yeah, so he hatched this plan in which he would kill uh, basically celebrities on television in a race, a race where he's promoting a new alternative, better fuel source. So giving people hope, killing people on li- killing celebrities on live TV to sell more gasoline. That's essentially his plan. Yep. Right. Am I missing anything here? That's about it. That's pretty fucking nefarious. So where do you put him on your list? He's going in. I don't know if that's gonna. It's. I'm stuck between one and two, to be honest, because that is pretty brutal. I mean, it's actually right on par with um, Incredibles two, where she pulled these people out, made them commit a crime. So that they'd be forever illegal. Which is pretty dark. But killing people on live TV. On purpose. I think he's climbing into that number one. Like that's pretty damn evil. I mean. Well. I think this is going to be our biggest disagreement on the show thus far. Okay. You best back this up. Because I got. Yeah. While Axelrod may have some of the most vile of intentions and come across as a guy that has excessive wealth and resources at his disposal, so 
He's got the potential to be the most evil. I really can't hate him too much or feel too bad for the other cars in this world because this movie and this franchise from the get-go is a franchise that reminds me these are just cars playing real-life things for a comedic effect. So don't take it seriously. And because of that, I'm just like, even like Bugs Life, they wanted you to make, there were all these themes of like, we're all in it together and we're, you know, we're, we're, you know, slaves to this, this man here and this, you know, this entity that returns every year to take from us everything that we have. We basically work to break even and the threat of death is imminent where it's like, Cars is just a movie with cars playing humans littered with cars as humans jokes. And if they at least gave me a protagonist or a supporting character to really feel for, maybe I'd hate Axelrod more. But just like the fact that Axelrod exists in a film in a world that is a parody of the existing world and is also on top of that now a parody of 1960s spy movies existing within a parody of cars parodying the real world i'm like i'm so out uh axelrod's taken up my last spot i think if you last spot if you put him in a lineup with every other villain that we've ranked he's by far the least menacing put 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 Axelrod in an octagon against Lotso, a teddy bear. I'm still taking Lotso. There's nothing... I think to be a good villain, you need to have more than just wealth. And you don't necessarily have to be super smart to be a good villain. Because I discussed how I kind of liked Syndrome, too, from The Incredibles. But, like, give me a reason to at least empathize with you for a second to feel that you've been slighted to feel that this anger and rage is is justifiable to like he's he's got that though yeah but i can't even like it i don't like kevin spacey and i don't like hopper but at least hopper and bug's life like he's kind of like supposed to be like this dude from a biker gang and like they kind of give you reasons to see where he's coming from a little bit Sir Miles Axelrod is supposed to be a car, a Land Rover that is playing well, on the theme of like real life tycoons and billionaires. Well, like, he's he's not a Land Rover though. He is a he is a lemon disguised as a Land Rover. Right? Sure, sure. So like his whole backstory, his whole thing is that him and all of the other lemons have been slighted by the world. So they're going to basically become rich. Like that's their game plan is that they're going to, they've got all these oil fields. The lemons have, they own the, all of the oil field here. Yeah. And they need to push that. But he takes it this extra unnecessary step to be devious where he fakes having an alternative fuel source. So it kind of takes the, the front spotlight for alternative fuel sources and then uses that to kill celebrities on TV to then make people fearful of alternative fuel sources. I get what you're saying to a certain extent, but also it's like, yes, the celebrities on TV is bad. If this is like a real world thing. 
Or if they're even trying to make it feel like it is. But this isn't even like Toy Story, where they're really going the extra mile to personify these toys. This is a movie where there is so much disbelief that needs to be suspended. Like, they don't tell us whether these are Hot Wheels, whether these are cars in the real life, and we just don't see them, or whether this is an alternate universe. And I feel like that lack of explanation in and of itself is kind of a tongue-in-cheek way of them telling us to be like, guys, this isn't real. I mean, biggest thing is the G rating. If we were to take this as anything more than a two-hour-long joke, it would have gotten a PG. I mean, they're trying at every turn to show us some really screwed-up imagery of cars getting murdered and then remind us in the next segment that, this is all a joke, and now we're Fiat's making Ferrari jokes and Pete Stop and Kachow, and it's like okay, I I think I see where our disagreements coming from. Is you are having a hard time empathizing with the normal people in this story, like you don't see them as anything outside of just cars. Yeah, exactly. Whereas, like, I'm kind of trying to go to the. If I'm as, if I'm to assume that these are the these are people or these are yeah sentient beings like the the main part of the story, then what this guy's doing is very evil. Hundred percent. His intentions okay. are, are terrible. Okay, so I it's think it's a semantics thing. I I think okay, I think I think we're yeah, we're in that same wavelength, but I think we just got to two different very very different conclusions. I'll, maybe I'll clarify with this. Like, if you're to take Eddie Izzard playing a role of Sir Miles Axelrod, this same traits, billionaire tycoon disguised as something he's not, and put it in a live action feature length drama, rated PG 13, PG whatever, and it's real world setting, like, yeah, he's about as bad as bad can be. But. Sure. We're not ranking this among all-time villains in in cinema. This is strictly in the body of the Pixar universe. And so within that body of work, he takes up last place for me. Okay, okay. I can can respect that. The traits are there. It's just the execution. And maybe not even the execution of that character, but just, I don't like this world. I don't... Well, and and that I can understand. But, like, he strapped a bomb to Lightning McQueen's best friend, knowing Lightning McQueen's best friend, Mater, would drive back to him so he could blow him up with his own best friend. That seems pretty evil. He's foul. He's terrible. I just... I think we have and we will see worse, but we'll see. Okay. For now, we'll say first and last, though, for Mr. Miles Axelrod. Whew! Whew! So now the film rating. We'll do this snake order. I'll give you mine real quick. Okay. I don't like Mater. I thought you loved Mater. I think I loved Mater so much because I really didn't like Lightning McQueen in the first movie. But I think, like, they did such a good job with the ending of the first car movie to, like, bring Lightning McQueen. Just give him that nice change of character, change of heart. And I feel like Mater is so constant. And just, like, he does great as a supporting actor, but he's almost too inept to be a believable lead. 
And maybe I'd be okay with it too if the movie didn't constantly remind us that <laughs> He's this guy's bad. an idiot. Like, yes. Okay. Even to the point of having other characters call him an idiot. And I'm like, okay. You've reminded us at every turn that this guy is a caricature of a small town American. You've also reminded us every turn this guy's a freaking idiot. Yep. I get it. I, I see what you're parodying to an extent. It's definitely a, a generalization, but sure, maybe it's there. There's probably maters in every small town of the world. Probably a lot in America. Yep. But you're not doing yourself any favors or this character any favors. You're not trying to make them a likable protagonist. You're constantly telling me they're foolish, that they're inept, that, you know, they're going to fail. And on top of it, he's just annoying, dude. He's voiced by Larry the Cable Guy. He's voiced by the Andrew Dice Clay for people whose personality is defined by NASCAR and Mountain Dew. And, like, I, I'm just, like, they're not even trying. And the first one makes sense because, like I said, it was a movie that was trying to embody, you know, a, a, a southern lifestyle of sorts or interests of a group of people and man it's like this is you're taking some small town country bumpkin type character that's an idiot and then making them the lead of some european espionage flick and it just like yeah it felt haphazard it felt poorly put together um like it it felt like a like a bit that they extended to an hour and a half hour 45 like yes. it was a very small bit that would have worked fine, and then they're like, "But what if we did that the whole time?" It's like, well, then the bit kind of loses it, and now like I'm just annoyed. I get that actually. It's yeah, it's it's a chore of a watch for me. It's the most directive video ish of any of the Pixar films we've seen so far. Um. And I guess the one thing that tears at me a little bit is that it does look really good. Mm-hmm. It's a pretty film. There's some cool locations they go to, but certain things are rushed. Certain things chug along. And and honestly, if... I mean, finishing up the final race at Radiator Springs, to me, that's a good enough subject for a second film is have something happen where we build up to this final race. But that final race at Radiator Springs, that was like the ending montage right before the credits. The movie yep. had been resolved by the time we got to that race. Mater's in the race, yep. like accidentally. There's a little thing like, is there any, is there any favors yeah, I that, can do for call you? Callback call yeah. to the first one. Instead of his helicopter ride, he gets rockets. And it was just like, if you didn't make it some little joke to wrap up the film, like that's the plot for the second film. Like lightning or doc Hudson has passed lightning McQueen has now taken over his legacy and is running a, a, a race crew in doc Hudson's legacy. He's going for one last piston cup in like his final year or something like that. And they've just announced that radiator Springs has won the bid and it's going to be held there. That's the whole movie. Picks up right where it left off. McQueen's still a star racer. This town has been turned around, and now they're a destination town. And rather than this weird spy thing that just feels out of place, 
The movie can be about them prepping for the race and having things fall through before the deadline. And then, you know what I mean? Like that, that race can be the last 30 minutes of the movie. Yep. And I'm fine with it. It just like everything kind of coming together, working out instead of, okay. And, and I know I wasn't the biggest fan of the first cars movie, but I did come around to it by the end of that film. I was, while it maybe wasn't my favorite Pixar film, I was at least somewhat invested in the world and a few of the characters. Mm-hmm. And I feel like whatever investment I had, they just stripped it away from me because they took the characters that I liked and got rid of them. And they took the character characters I did like and put them in a situation that wasn't great. I don't know. The, the last thing I'll say, very last thing is, This is not a type of film that hasn't been done before, and it's not a type of film that we're going to stop seeing. It's basically the yes. whole premise is you have an idiot who now is found in a position where he has the weight of the world on his shoulders. And we're basically sitting there helpless just for 90 minutes for the sake of entertainment to see, is this idiot going to pull it off and save the day? Yep. And nine times out of ten, they do. It's not a terrible story. It's been a little run into the ground, but like... I will watch that movie when it's done right. I mean, it's it's more or less every Judd Apatow film. Every Ernest goes to whatever movie. More or less every, like, 80s film, too. Literally every movie Larry the Cable Guy's ever been in. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, yeah. It's, it's not an original premise, but it can be done right. And I think one of the things that helps it is when you have this character that might be an actor that we don't necessarily like giving them a few moments of clarity or internal struggle, giving them a few moments by themselves where rather than seeing how they interact with other people, while it may be hilarious or awkward, see, see what their internal monologue is like. Cause it humanizes them. And we get that in the first cars with lightning McQueen when, you know, there's a few scenes where like, you know, when he's talking to his agent Harv, Jeremy Piven's character, when he's in the truck, Mm. there's a few scenes of just silence where he's there by himself and he's kind of saying things under his breath. Or even when he's like between scenes, when he's going over to the Rusty's tent, I can't stand these guys. Yep. You know, when he's trying to do the left turn and I just don't understand what Doc's saying, you know, he's got these moments of like either defiance or internal struggle. And like, there's not a single one of those with Mater. There are very few scenes where Mater is on the screen by himself. And even when he is, it's like bad joke, bad joke, bad joke. There's never like really a scene in the movie where Mater is serious and reflecting like, man, maybe I do really ruin everything. Maybe I do really blow the day like every time. There is the one scene like the where he's like in the dream state, basically where he takes hiawatha and i mean it doesn't but like it kind of feels like that but like he kind of reflects but it's all of it's an entire movie like you said of bad joke after bad joke after bad joke and then there's like this one to two minute scene where he's like dreaming he's like do i really ruin everything and it kind of puts doubt into his head for the last 10 minutes but he gets over that doubt within 10 minutes basically they create the struggle and resolve the struggle within 10 one you're you're right and i did forget about that but i also now remembering that scene 
None of that's even original stuff. Like, it's all callbacks. It's just clips yep. from this movie and the last movie. It's like, yep. he never has any sort of original internal dialogue or reflection on any of his actions. And to me, that's just like, I've got a tow truck that's now a spy being voiced by Larry the Cable Guy, who's also a racer, but also a crew chief, but also a spy, and... He's an idiot, and he kind of knows he's an idiot, but also doesn't know he's an idiot, and I'm constantly being reminded he's an idiot, but also, I need to be attached to him because he needs to save the day. Not happening for me, man. This movie, Cars 2, is also taking up my last spot for Pixar films. Uh, did not enjoy it. Did Thought it had some cool visuals. visuals. Thought it was a very weak story. I don't think it's a terrible animated film, but I think it's as bad as we've seen from Pixar at this point. Yes. Um, this will also be taking my, my last place spot. Um, several of the reasons you mentioned, um, also just with the complete muddled, unnecessary story that happened all along the way, where it's just, it's clogged. Like... Oh, here's Mater on a plane. Here's Mater getting into a situation and accidentally getting himself out over and over and over again. Yeah. And it's like, okay, yeah. By, again, by like the third sequence of that, I'm like, yeah. Yeah, I know. Okay, he, he did it again. Cool. He accidentally escaped the bad guys. Yeah. One more time. One more time. Yeah. And it just... It, it was, and I actually looked it up, it's actually not the longest Cars movie, or it's not excessively long. Um, Hour and nine minutes, I think. Yeah, so it is short, but it felt that long. Like, it felt like, oh my god, I gotta watch this. Like, well, we still got more to go. Like I said, by the time I paused it and went to bed, there was 45 minutes left. Yeah. So I had only made it about 40 minutes through. Yeah, it's... It's bad. It's an investment. Yep. And not a payout. Uh, so, yeah, this is coming in that last place spot. Top villain, last place spot for the movie. Well, there you have it. Cars 2. Kind of sucks. Um, Anything else you want to add on that front? Nope. If I do, I'm just going to get more jazzed up. You're gassing me up. Yeah. Tink. Tink, yeah. I guess if I have to end it with a compliment, you know, do a little compliment sandwich, the good, the bad, and then finish with some good. I thought the soundtrack was good. I thought the music was good, the original music and the little uh, orchestral cues I thought played well. I liked Michael Caine. I agree. I don't think he was a, a bad choice for that car, but, you know, would have maybe gone with an actual Bond. But, man, what a great voice. I just... I wish I could take some of the cast from this movie and just insert them into other Pixar films. Like, give Michael Caine a role as a character in Toy Story. Like, would kill it. He'd be a villain, though. He'd have to be a villain. Villain or, like, an old wise toy. Like, make him one of the old, one of Andy's old toys that's been cast aside or something, you know? Sure. I think that would fit. A sage. Yeah. Yeah, that could work. Because he's uh, kind of very gentleman-like and very proper i don't know michael kane even though he's been a villain before 
just too genuine. I I always it hurts me when he's the villain. Yeah, it it hurts every time. Um, there's a what was the movie? Um, the one with like the British spies. Um, and the like, they're in, like basically getting new spies in something. Gentleman, I think. The Kingsman. Kingsman, yes. Yeah. I hated that he was the villain in that one. I know. That bothered me. Still haven't me. seen the. Have they done three now? They. I thought they did a third, but I think that was like right at the start of the pandemic. So then, like, they kind of like mothballed it for a little bit. I don't think I've seen the second or the third. If there is one, the but. second one's fine. It's just just fine. Very stylized. The yes. fights in those movies the remind f- me a lot of like kind of kick ass. Yes, the fights are good. A lot of like those scene pauses, camera angle rotates, and yeah. then the fight picks back up. Pretty gruesome too. Yes, uh, in the second one, somebody gets put into a meat grinder, full stop, like all into a meat grinder. Jesus. Yeah. But yeah, that's that's cars too. That's cars too. My brain went through a meat grinder. Yeah. We were going to record a doubleheader this week, but we will save Cars 3 for another week because uh, this took a lot out of us, guys. <laughs> but bringing it back to the suds part of the show, mm. we did drink some beer today. We talked a lot of Cars, but we drank some beer too, and we don't want to slight the beer portion of this show. Um, we had a pretty good one today from Inbound, the Mango Hibiscus Saison, also known as the Petal Pounder. Uh, Inbound Brewing is in Minneapolis, Minnesota, downtown, mm-hmm. not far from the Twin Stadium. Nope. Honestly, might be, I'm trying to think of a closer brewery to the stadium. Modest, maybe? Modest is right. I mean, Modest is right there. Yeah. Yeah. Modest, Inbound, Fulton, they're all kind of in a similar vicinity. Well, Fulton's production facilities down. No, Fulton's tap rooms down there. Yeah. Production facilities out of ways. I always forget which one's which. I know the I know the spots. I just don't remember which one's which. Yeah, one of the quintessential downtown breweries, and also kind of one of the newer ones to the game. I don't know when they started up, but I Inbound's feel like it's been around for a while. I feel like they've only really been in the conversation as far as distribution, though. Maybe like the last three years. That could be. Modest, um, I know, has been pumping up beer for a handful of years now. Yes, and they're good at it. They're good. But, yeah, I enjoyed this one, man. I I don't know. It's got a little more funk than I'd like. I, I pick up that ironiness that you're talking about, but that's not so much. I don't hate that. No, I I like it. It's just not what I expected coming out. Um. I'm not going to lie. This isn't the first one of these I've had. Um, I had this one for the first time ever um, le- uh, last night, actually. Um, snagged this one ahead of time for the show. And uh, me and Samantha ended up splitting one of these. And uh, we both agreed that the mango was not super prevalent um, until it warms up a little bit. And then it comes out a little bit. But. Hmm. Put in a tough place with this one. I think maybe I'm realizing I'm not the biggest Saison fan. I don't know. I go back and forth on that style, man. Like, 
it's weird. I'm convinced I'll get there because I used to say I didn't like Belgians and boy, was I wrong. Um, I just hadn't found the right one. And now there's triples and Belgian strongs and doubles and quads and, and they're all good. And, you know, some other yeasty Euro wheat beers. I'm a big Hefeweizen guy now. So I'm waiting for that day where the Saison just clicks with my palate, but I'm still just not there yet. I'm still just... I don't know. And like I said, probably some listener out there that scoffed when I said I thought it tasted like a Goza. Maybe that's a weird thing to say too. But also, I would say Saisons and Gozas are probably the styles I'm I'm least... No. Saison, or barley wines and Gozas I'm probably least well-versed in. But Saisons, I just... It, it's not my thing. Well, Saisons can be like a... It's like a wide spectrum of things that Saisons can do. It is. Um, which is kind of like a lot of styles, like a Kolsch. I go into a Kolsch. I know roughly what to expect. But a Saison, like there's for sure the, the two very distinct, like very estery or very floral. Um, and so you've got kind of got that going. And that's right off the bat. And then what other things did they layer on top of that? Yeah. Yeah. Like, um, I've had straight up saisons and I've had fruited ones, but this is like definitely the notes that I'm not the bigger fan of. I mean, like Dual Citizen has a phenomenal um, French farmhouse ale, which I guess is basically just a saison, and it's really fucking good. It's like my favorite beer there. This one for me is just, it's good. I can't knock it based on me not understanding the style, but that being said. I'm going to give it like a 3-4. Okay. I, I probably would drink it again. Um, it's light. It's easy. You know, mine warmed up a little bit. but um, Warm, Warmed up wasn't wasn't the best. Uh, I kind of pulled out some flavors that I wasn't a huge fan of. I think the fruit comes out more, but it loses its carb. Yep. And as, as everybody knows, I like bubbles in my beer. We're a couple crispy boys. A couple crispy boys. Um, for this one, I'm probably going to, I'm going to go a little higher. I'm probably going to go like three, eight. Um, I do really like Saison's. Uh, I wish more people would do them. Yes. Um, the hibiscus in it actually was very nice. Um, that was very pleasant, but, uh, I mean, not, not my favorite Saison, but definitely worth a try. Yeah. So why are you making that face? I mean, stop making that face. I'm doing face, my best I mean. Bob De Niro impression. I, I hated it. I hated it. I thought you were having a, like, a seizure over there. Like he, his face is all scrunched up and he's just shaking his head a lot. Everyone knows what it is. It's like yes. the, the very quick, quick short nod with like the bulldog face and the squinted eyes, your chin up. Just Yeah, no, it's very good. You know, you're nodding in agreement, but also it looks like you're probably going to whack somebody. And I might get whacked and that's fine. Yeah. I had a good run. I'm not even Irish or Italian. <laughs> Actually, maybe that'll be a fun thing I'll do. Be Irish or Italian? Please don't do an accent. We're going to find out. I'm going to... Next time you hear me, I'm going to have my 23 in me results. Something I just decided Ooh. just right now. I'm not an impulsive person, but I think this is something I'm impulsively going to do. I'm going to figure out where I came from. And I'm going to let you all know on the show. Came from the woods. And freaking Sasquatch over here. <laughs> 100 eric is the missing link if that is what the results yield i will 
own it and embody it, and I will go back to my roots. <laughs> By moving back out to the woods. To the woods. Very good. All right. Well, I I think I'm about wrapped here. I've, yes. I've, I'm sweating a lot again today. Yeah, Nate's Nate's melting before my eyes. His his I'm shirt melting. has become a darker black shirt. His hair is is glistening. But stop talking about my hair glistening. You're freaking everybody out. Yeah. Or turning them on. I don't know. <laughs> I never did. Never claimed to. Got him. I'm just a voice that's here to talk to you about beers and uh, Disney movies. And, and my hair glistening. I hope you appreciate us for it because we appreciate you for listening. Uh, we are the Suds Buds, Eric Anderson and Nate Uppadel. We come to you every Thursday with new content available on Spotify, SoundCloud, and iTunes. Also, PodMN. So check us out there. Uh, site for hosting Minnesota-based podcasts. And, uh, yeah, if you want to interact with us on social media, we are on Instagram. It is SudsBudsPod. Uh, is it SudsBudsPod or SudsBudsPodcast? SudsBudsPod. SudsBudsPod, and that's Suds, S-U-D-Z, Buds, B-U-D-Z, P-O-D, like the new metal band. <laughs> And, uh, yeah, if you want to email us a little more intimate, scratch that. Don't send us anything weird unless it's dirt on Tom Hanks. Thank you. Yep. We got a Gmail, and that is also sudsbudspod, S-U-D-Z-B-U-D-Z, pod at gmail.com. Shoot us fun questions, memes. We'll read them on the air if you want. <laughs> Maybe. All that being said. Y'all like some weird shit. Yeah. I mean, you like our podcast, so y'all like some weird shit. (laughs) Y'all are a bunch of freaks, and we love you for it. (laughs) So uh, stay tuned. We love you. Kept it going till the sun fell down. You kept it going. <laughs>